You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Memories. This is episode number four. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And we're focusing this episode, this very special episode of BGN Memories, on the return of Deshaun Jackson back to Philadelphia. And with Deshaun coming back home to the place he should have never been forced to leave, as, as we welcome Young number 10, back into the fold. Not quite as young anymore, but compared to me, he's still a youngster. Deshaun Jackson coming back to Philadelphia deserves a celebration. And he had some great times in Philadelphia, like Nick Foles, coming back for a second time around. And, you know, here's hoping that we have a, another uh, resurgence in their career, just like uh, like Nick Foles did with Deshaun Jackson. And to kind of go back, I wanted to take a go back and take a look at some of the, the best moments in Deshaun's Eagles career and also talk a little bit about... What precipitated his departure from the Eagles? Where it all went wrong? Some of the things along the way. It was not a perfect tenure, his first go-around here in Philadelphia. We're going to get into all that here in the next few minutes. Uh, But for those of you who have been under a rock, haven't been sleeping, or haven't been updated on the latest machinations of the Deshaun Jackson trade, uh, the Eagles did get him from the Tampa Bay Bucks for a sixth-round pick. The Eagles also receiving a seventh-round pick for next year in return. It's a three-year, $27 million deal. However, it's got a two-year structure to it, $15 million in total guarantees, $13 million fully guaranteed at the at signing. And in the first two years, the deal is worth $18 million. But none of that really means anything. Howie Roseman knows how to work all these guys, get them under the cap. Uh, we're going to talk about D- Deshaun Jackson more and his fit with the Eagles on an upcoming BGN radio that I'll record with uh, BLG on Thursday. And, of course, the Kiston Solak show talked about it in their last episode and they're going to talk more about it over the next uh, couple of days as well so no shortage of Deshaun Jackson coverage at bleedinggreennation.com either I have a, a piece up there I believe it's up there by the time you hear this podcast it'll be up on the website and listen it's just um, everybody's most people are excited I have gotten tweets and texts from certain people who didn't want any part of Deshaun Jackson coming back home People who thought he was a cancer, who uh, thought that he would be a terrible locker room influence, that he was a problem his first time around. And and listen, as I'm going to get into here in just a few minutes, we don't know exactly the reason for his departure from Philadelphia. There's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of theories, and there's a lot of rumors out there. And we'll get into all that coming up here in just a few minutes. But Deshaun Jackson coming back to Philadelphia really is is such a big deal because you don't think about it, and I didn't realize it until I looked at some of the numbers, but where he stands in Eagles history as far as wide receivers are concerned, he's up at the very tippy top. I mean, there's only two wide receivers maybe who rank higher than him in Eagles history. I mean, I think you have to you would have to say Harold Carmichael and Mike Quick. 
both rank ahead of Deshaun Jackson in as far as wide receivers are concerned in Eagles history. But in my mind, I have Deshaun Jackson at number three, and the numbers bear that out. And now he gets to come back to Philadelphia and add to that legacy. He gets to build on what he'd already done in Philadelphia during the first few years of his career. And, and depending on how these next few years go, guys, he could cement himself at the end of the day as the greatest wide receiver in team history. That's what we're talking about here over the next couple of years. So it certainly seems as though he'll be with this team for at least the next two years, and, and maybe a third, but more than likely two years here in Philadelphia, and he's got a chance to to move up some of the rankings. I mean, it's you've also got Tommy McDonald as a wide receiver that Eagles fans remember fondly and uh, one of the greats in, in team history, but I would put Deshaun Jackson over Tommy McDonald personally, and, and Tommy McDonald was before my time. Some of the older Eagles fans, if you're listening to this podcast, you might take exception to that, and listen, I'll, I'll bow to your knowledge there, because I, I go back quite a ways with Eagles football. I go back to the, the early Buddy Ryan days. Buddy Ryan's first season was really my first season following this football team, but I, I don't go as far back as the Dick Vermeil days and uh, even further back the Tommy McDonald days and all that. So I will note, though, that Jackson currently ranks fourth all-time in receiving yards in team history behind Carmichael, Pete Retzlaff, who was a tight end, and Quick. He is second all-time in yards per game in Eagles history at 70.3 yards per game behind only Terrell Owens, who averaged 93.5 yards a game in his short time with the Eagles. <laughs> T.O. was so good. It's a shame that blew up. And frankly, if I could go back and do that all again, I would be on T.O.'s side and be screaming at the Eagles to pay him. I mean, if you could do that again, well, I don't think we'd all we'd all be there, wouldn't we? Just pay the man. We know we know pro football players don't get the money they're deserved given how they put their bodies on the line. I would have I, I at the time I was on the Eagles side, I was on the, the franchise's side, uh, and I I would change my tune now for sure. <laughs> pay TO whatever he wanted. But nevertheless, uh, Deshaun, second all time in yards per game at seventy point three behind Terrell Owens. And Deshaun Jackson is ninth all time in Eagles history in catches with fifty six, but he is third among wide receivers trailing only Carmichael and Quick. So Deshaun Jackson has a solid legacy already in this town, and it was marred by how he left, by Chip Kelly releasing him. They didn't even trade. They, they couldn't even work out a trade for Deshaun Jackson. They, they, just, they just let him go. I mean, when you think about that, it's ridiculous. He was a Pro Bowl player in his final season with the Eagles, as we're going to talk about here in just a minute. So we're going to go through the beginning of his career and uh, the end of his Eagles career and all the points in between and kind of uh, and kind of look forward to the next couple of years here in Philadelphia. And the other great thing here that we have to remember is that fans are going to be able to pull out their number 10 jerseys again, provided, of course, that Mac Collins gives up that number. And I would imagine that Deshaun will make it worth his while to, to give up that number 10. But it gives us all a chance to break out our green or white number 10s once again. You know, the, the ones that we used to wear to, to fancy dinners or, or bachelor parties at Delaware County bars and stuff like that. That's, that, that's how we roll when, it, when it's Deshaun Jackson on your back. Right, Bradley Cooper? My mom got this Gap outfit she wants me to wear, but I want to wear a jersey that my brother Jake got me from the Eagles. Rich Dorsey. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson is the man. Well, let's jump back into the 2008 NFL Draft, where Deshaun Jackson was taken in the second round by the Eagles at number 49 overall. It was a weird year for wide receivers in the draft. He was the seventh wideout taken, but... 
For the first time ever, there were no wide receivers drafted in the first round that year, and then there was a rush of guys in the second round. He was a tiny guy, five foot nine, 170 pounds, coming out of Cal, uh, but he was probably the fastest player in the draft. I have never seen a faster player on the field at his height. And maybe he looked faster than, than everybody else because he was also small, but there's no denying the fact that he was exceedingly fast. But I wonder if you put him and Randy Moss in a race, who would, who would win that? Probably Randy Moss. I mean, that dude had some serious, uh, had some serious strides. Uh, but Andy Reed knew that he would be able to utilize a guy like Deshaun Jackson with that speed. And Jackson a- entered the season as a second string player. He didn't enter as a starter, but injuries to Kevin Curtis and Reggie Brown in camp led to Jackson becoming the first rookie to start on opening day for Andy Reed. And you got to remember, Andy Reed's offense was always something that took a lot of time for young wide receivers to learn. Young wide receivers never came in and made an impact right away. Never. I mean, it's it's kind of funny that for as good a coach as Andy Reid was, his offense was so complicated that young wide receivers couldn't absorb it right away. But Deshaun Jackson did, and he became the first rookie wide receiver to start on opening day for an Andy Reid-led team. And his first game was outstanding. He caught six balls for 106 yards and a 38-3 win over the Rams. And he had more than 200 all-purpose yards when you accounted for his punt returns in that game. I mean, he was just incredible. And That's when we all realize we have something here. This guy is going to be legit. However, he he didn't wait very long to create controversy. And this is one of those plays when you think about Deshaun Jackson's tenure in Philadelphia that you never forget. And it's one of those plays that really created a lot of scorn among Eagles fans as, you know, calling this guy an itwit and uh, a flake and, you know, an idiot in a lot of ways, for, for some of the stuff that he did early on in his career. And the first one of those things was in his second game, he earned himself a lot of negative attention due to a premature celebration. Remember that premature celebration against the Cowboys in Dallas on Monday Night Football. McNabb loading up deep for Deshaun Jackson. He holds it in. Oh, wow. Did he get over the goal line? Did he get over the goal line? Yes, he did. Touchdown. Whoa. 61 yards. We got to make sure he broke the plane on that, guys. And the Cowboys, I think, might challenge. Oh, it is very close. Dallas is challenged that the runner lost control of the football prior to going into the end zone. The evidence would lead me to believe that he did not break the plane before getting rid of the ball. And who knows what's going on inside that helmet. Now, what happens to the ball afterwards? Adam Jones is out there. He walks away from the ball. Was it a backward pass and the ball dead After there? After review, the runner lost control of the football prior to going into the end zone. By rule, the ball was along to Philadelphia on the one-yard line, first and goal. And I still can't understand what he was thinking at the time. It's not like he did a somersault into the end zone and lost the ball. Like He just dropped it before he reached the goal line. It, it's, it's inconceivable and indescribable what his actions were and what he was doing at the time. Now, the Eagles would go in and punch that play in for a touchdown from the one-yard line because no Cowboy thought to pick up the ball or recover the ball because everybody thought it was a touchdown. It was ruled a touchdown on the field. So in the end, that particular play didn't hurt the Birds. It just hurt Deshaun's reputation early on. And, and as we all know in Philadelphia, you don't want to make a bad impression early. Ask Ricky Waters. Ask Gabe Kapler. You don't want to make a bad first impression on the fan base. And for a lot of fans, that move right there was enough. 
was enough for them to just dislike him for most of his career. They always rooted for him and to, hoped he would score touchdowns, but there was a big part of the fan base that just did not like Deshaun Jackson after that play. Uh, the Eagles would lose that game 41-37, to but he became the only receiver in NFL history to go over 100 yards in each of his first two games besides the Eagles' Dan Looney in 1940. However, his boneheaded play wiped out the first touchdown of his career. So at the end of the regular season, his rookie year, he had 62 catches, 912 yards, two touchdowns, also had a rushing touchdown and a punt return touchdown. He also helped the team win two playoff games that year against the Vikings and Giants, helping the Eagles get to the NFC Championship game as the sixth seed, scoring a long touchdown against the Cardinals in Arizona in that NFC Championship game as the Eagles made their furious third quarter comeback. Play action. McNabb airing it out for Deshaun Jackson. Behind the defense, a juggle and a touchdown. They drafted Deshaun Jackson to hit the home run on the outside, and he just went deep on Dominique Rogers cromarty So at the end of the day, all in all, Deshaun Jackson's career in Philadelphia was off to a good start. He made amends after that boneheaded play in Week 2 and was exceedingly productive for a rookie wide receiver in Andy Reid's offense. So we move on to his second year, 2009, and he started off the season right with an 85-yard punt return for a touchdown against the Carolina Panthers, which was the second longest in Eagles history. And he ended his second season with 1,167 receiving yards, most on the team. He was selected as a starter at both wide receiver and punt returner for the Pro Bowl. However, he was shut down at the end of the 2009 season in the Eagles' back-to-back losses to the Cowboys in Dallas. Remember that awful stretch where the Eagles lost uh, in Dallas in the last game of the regular season, and then they had a rematch in the wildcard round, and they got beat up badly in that game too, and he was shut down in both of those games. So not exactly, but the whole offense was shut down. Donovan McNabb was terrible. The Cowboys just had their number that year, and and there was nothing, nothing that he could do about it. So now we move into Deshaun's third year in the league uh, in 2010, and this is when some contract stuff started popping up. And he arrived at camp, at mandatory camp. He skipped the voluntary workouts, which, again, they're voluntary. I don't think any player should ever get penalized for skipping voluntary workouts. There's a reason they call them uh, voluntary. You don't have to go. But he arrived at mandatory camp on time, but was not talking to reporters. He was frustrated with the Eagles, uh, that they were unwilling to negotiate a contract extension with him. He also suffered a concussion during the season and missed a couple of games, but did finish the 2010 season with a flourish, catching an 88-yard touchdown from Michael Vick on the first play from scrimmage in a 59-28 Monday night football win against the Redskins against LaRon Landry, a guy with whom he'd been having a a sparring match in the press, Uh, and that part of what became the Monday night massacre, that 59-28 blowout demolition of the Redskins in Washington. That game was absolutely insane. He had a 91-yard touchdown catch against the Cowboys uh, a couple weeks later, a career best, uh, a long touchdown for him. And he finished that game with a personal high of 210 yards receiving. He ended up finishing the 2010 season leading the league in yards per catch, a stat that he would lead the league in four times so far in his career, including last season. The 2010 season was also the year of the Miracle at the New Meadowlands, or Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2. And we're going to jump into that coming up right here on BGN Memories. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back with BGN Memories. We're going over the career of Deshaun Jackson in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform as we welcome him back to the city that I think most of the city loves Deshaun Jackson, although there are still some holdouts who are not fond of him and uh, his style of play on the field. Nevertheless, uh, we're spending this uh, this podcast talking about his great moments and his not-so-great moments in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. Uh, Jackson's career was definitely a mixed bag. But we're getting into the part of the podcast and getting into the memory that I think most Eagles fans remembered Deshaun Jackson most fondly for, and that was, of course, his game-winning punt return at the end of Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2 in 2010. Andy Reid is still the coach, and the Eagles have a ton of talent. I mean, they just, they have LaShawn McCoy, Jeremy Macklin, Brent Selleck was, was a really good tight end at this time, and Michael Vick. This is when Michael Vick went into full-on cheat mode in Madden, where he just... He, he owned the field. He could do everything on the field. And we remember the Eagles trailing 31-10 to 10 with just under eight minutes to play in New York against the Giants. The game was hopeless. The game was over. I remember watching it over at my in-law's house as the third quarter started and the Giants kept pouring it on. I went with my father-in-law over to a, to a hardware store. I'd given up on the game. I just did not. I didn't want to see any more of it. I was keeping tabs on it on my phone a little bit, just getting the score updates and you know, when uh, when Brent Selleck scored a, a touchdown just after the Giants went up 31-10, to Vic connected with Selleck on a blown assignment in the on the Giants' secondary, and, and Selleck scored a quick, long touchdown to bring the Eagles to 31-17. to And it piqued my interest. So when we got back to the house, I flipped the game back on, just to see, because you never know. I mean, it was a quick score, and man, it, didn't, it seemed pretty unreasonable that the Eagles would be able to come all the way back. But then... Miracles started to happen. David Akers, who was a genius at onside kicks, allowed the Eagles to recover an onside kick with one of those high bouncers way up in the air. The Eagles recovered the onside kick. They went down and scored another touchdown, which all of a sudden made it 31-24. to The defense gets a stop. The Eagles get the ball back. They go right down the field. Another long, so many long runs by Michael Vick where he's just outrunning everybody. It does. It looks like Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl where he's just running through people and around people. You just, they couldn't catch him. Finally connecting with Jeremy Macklin on a touchdown that tied the game at 31 with about two minutes left in the game. The Giants would get one more chance to try and get into field goal range, but the Eagles defense sacked Eli Manning and the Giants were forced to punt with about 14 seconds left in the score tied at 31. Giants punter Matt Dodge was told to kick the ball out of bounds, and certainly, under no circumstances, was Matt Dodge to punt the ball to Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson was the league's best punt returner by a lot. It wasn't even close. How many times had he killed teams with punt returns? For touchdowns or for long for, for long gains, and in this case, they would have needed a they needed a touchdown from Jackson in order to finish this miracle off. We all assumed we were going to overtime. There's no way Matt Dodge is going to punt the ball to Deshaun Jackson. Well, Dodge screwed up and punted the ball to Jackson, and the rest was history. 14th best in the NFL, 8.7 yards per return. Has not returned one for a touchdown this year. Wait, and it's a line drive kick. Jackson bobbles it and now has to try and recover. Deshaun Jackson gets a block! 
I mean, just remembering that game and remembering Merrill and Mike's call and still being able to go back and they put it to, to the Titanic music. And, you know, there's all kinds of all kinds of great videos on YouTube about that, about that game. That that to me, outside of the, the NFC championship game against the Falcons that I went to that sent the Eagles to the Super Bowl and and the 2017 playoff run where the Eagles won it all. That game, to me, is the most memorable game I'd ever seen. And I would imagine for you, it was the most memorable game you've ever seen. That was an un... And it was a miracle. There's a reason it's called the Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2. And how can you have two honest-to-goodness miracles in the same stadium? How many, how many different times did the Eagles absolutely destroy the souls of the Giants? And most of them happened at the Meadowlands. The Eagles lost a lot of games at the Meadowlands, too. When, when Bill Parcells was there, he used to beat up the Eagles on a semi-regular basis. But the Eagles won their fair share of games there, too, and some true heartbreakers. And Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2 was really, was the, that, was the, that was the last high point uh, of the Eagles. I mean, that was, pretty much, that was pretty much the end for Andy Reid. That was the high point because later in the season, uh, they would uh, fall to the Green Bay Packers at home in the wildcard round. 21 to 16, and Jackson was shut down in that game. Caught just two balls for 47 yards in that playoff loss. But I think everybody felt good about the direction the team was heading. Heading into 2011, you saw an Eagles team that had a ton of talent, and Michael Vick had emerged as one of the great quarterbacks in the game. Deshaun Jackson was a deep threat. LaShawn McCoy was one of the best runners in football. But then at the start of 2011, Jackson did not report to training camp. He was now in an open dispute with the Eagles about his contract. He was losing $30,000 a day by not reporting, and if he didn't report by August 9th, he would have lost a year toward his free agency. And you knew that he was going to come in, and the Eagles knew that he would come in before that happens, and so it did. He came in on August 8th. But Jackson's team with Reed, uh, Jackson, Jackson's uh, relationship with Reed and the team was undoubtedly strained at this point. He was deactivated for a game in November against the Cardinals for missing a special teams meeting. And then later that month, he was benched for the fourth quarter after he dropped two potential touchdown passes. He finished with just 961 yards receiving that year and had the lowest punt return totals of his career. It ended up being just kind of a lost season for Deshaun Jackson, unable to follow up the success that they had in 2011. And then the wheels just totally fell off the Andy Reid train. 2012, Reid's final team coaching the season. Uh, they used the franchise tag on Jackson. However, he later signed a five-year deal worth up to $51 million. But he played in just 11 games that year. He suffered broken ribs in Week 12, had only 45 catches for 700 yards. It was a down season, and people were wondering, was Deshaun Jackson now going to be what we feared? An in, a, a slight, small, injury-prone guy who wouldn't live up to a big contract. That was always the worry about Deshaun Jackson. Could he... Could he hold up in the NFL? Could he survive at his size? He did in his first few seasons, but in 2011 and 2012, some of these injuries started to take their toll on him. But in 2013, Chip Kelly arrived. As much as we look back on the Chip Kelly era with a lot of scorn at this point, and it certainly ended terribly, in 2013, Chip Kelly and Deshaun Jackson made beautiful music together. They started off on the first play from scrimmage, 
in the Chip Kelly era. Michael Vick hit Jackson with a monster play, which set the stage for a monster season with the Eagles. Jackson went to the Pro Bowl again after catching 82 balls, which was a career high, and 1,332 yards receiving, also a career high, and tied for his career high in touchdowns with nine in Chip Kelly's offense. It was the perfect fit with Michael Vick and Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy all in that offense. However, Vick got hurt in the during the course of that year, and Nick Foles had to step in. And that was Nick Foles' great year, where he threw 27 touchdowns to two interceptions. Uh, where he averaged a, a, a league-high 9.1 yards per attempt, 10.5 air yards per attempt. I mean, that's a lot of that was because of Deshaun Jackson and the effect that he had playing in Chip Kelly's high-tempo offense. And you can't help but wonder, if Chip Kelly had not cut Deshaun Jackson, would he still be the coach today? Would that team have taken off? Because mi- losing Deshaun Jackson hurt that franchise. It hurt Chip Kelly. After 2013, Chip Kelly, in a stroke of supreme ego and idiocy, cut Deshaun Jackson from the team. And it was never really explained why. Although, there was a media report that said the Eagles were concerned about gang ties to Jackson. Apparently someone in Jackson's inner circle had connections to a gang. And this story got played up in a big, 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 big way in the media. Other reports in the media indicated that Jackson had cussed Kelly out in the locker room and that he was a, quote, a problem, and that he was insubordinate and threw tantrums, that he was a selfish guy, a me player. All this stuff was coming out as happening in the Chip Kelly locker room. Didn't hear as much about this in the Andy Reid locker room, but it may have been there, and maybe Andy Reid just kept it in-house, and and once Deshaun Jackson was cut from the team, it just reached a point where there was a personality conflict between the two guys. Maybe there was worry about the report, about gang ties, but, I mean, I think that all proved to be pretty doggone unfounded and a pretty ridiculous story that is mostly panned by people now. But whatever the reason, Chip Kelly wanted Deshaun Jackson gone. It wasn't, And it wasn't for football reasons either, because Deshaun Jackson was a perfect fit for the Chip Kelly offense. This all had to do with personality. Chip Kelly's personality and Deshaun Jackson's personality. And Jackson never said anything about it at the time. And also at the time, certain players didn't have a problem with it. Jason Kelsey tweeted out at the time, quote, We just made an extremely unpopular decision, but I couldn't be more excited and happy with where this organization is going. Maybe that was just Jason Kelsey's way of, of rah-rahing a move that he knew was hated by most of the fan base and trying to keep the fans on the team's side. But uh, you wonder how, how Kelsey feels about Deshaun Jackson coming back now. My guess is that he probably feels great about it because Deshaun Jackson is going to help the 2019 Eagles. But last year, Deshaun Jackson talked about Kelly and his departure on Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Everyone close to me knows how I feel about Chip Kelly. Um, I, I don't respect the way he did things um, as a person. I don't really like him, but, uh, you know, he had to do what he had to do. That was his job. But, uh, you know, moving forward in my life and in my career, I just have a bad taste in my mouth towards him. Um, I, I like what he did on the field as far as in 2013, uh, his his style of play and, you know, how he had us moving around, running fast and all that. But once the end of the season came and the way he did things, I mean, I don't feel like as a man he was real with me. He didn't tell me, like, you know, this is what it was or, you know, this is what we're going to do moving forward. You know, it was just I looked up and I was cut. And he was asked specifically about the gang ties piece that ran. I think he had something to do with the report that was released that was negative about you? Um, possibility, um, you know, when you're figuring out a way to get rid of one of your best deep threats on your team, I mean, 
you have to kind of make up a story or you right. got to, it can't just be we're releasing the, our best receiver just for no reason. So right. I, I feel like them digging the story up. I mean, it, the story happened like four years ago and it was a close friend that I grew up with that, you know, has some issues, but you know, it's a, it's a guy that I grew up with that had an issue and, right. you know, I'm not supposed to turn my back on him. You know, he ended up beating the case and everything. So I, it was just a lot of nonsense that was around. I've never been in trouble, never been a felon. So all the stuff you're making up, I mean, the way I grew up, you're going to fault me for the way I grew up. Also in that interview, Jackson did talk about what it was like to watch the team win the Super Bowl and have a parade last year. Hey, that was a long time coming. Uh, 1960 since they won a Super Bowl yep. or a championship. We ain't even going to say a Super Bowl. Yep. Back then it wasn't a Super was Bowl. But I was I was rooting for them. Honestly, there's a lot of guys there that um, when I was there, a lot of guys came in like Fletcher Cox, um, Brandon Graham. So I, I was definitely happy for them. And I wanted to see somebody else win besides the Patriots. The Patriots, we, <laughs> we all know they, you know, Tom Brady's go- greatest of all times in my eyes. So I, I was ready for someone else to win that. And we now know that Kelly... As we look back on it, Kelly didn't know how to communicate with his players. I think not having been in the locker room. All right, I'll admit I, I'm not in the locker room. I wasn't there. I wasn't covering the team. I never have covered the team. But as somebody on the outside looking in, and based on what you've heard from this organization about Chip Kelly, that it was Chip Kelly who had a problem with with people, all people, not just Deshaun Jackson and Lashawn McCoy, but anybody that challenged his authority. He ran a professional locker room like he like a college locker room, and it backfired on him. That's why he was run out of town. He didn't know how to handle people. He didn't know how to deal with people. He didn't know how to talk to people. Andy Reid knows how to talk to his players. That's probably why if there were conflicts in the locker room, they were kept in check. Chip Kelly didn't know how to do that. He didn't have the emotional intelligence that Jeff Lurie talked about. Doug Peterson does have that emotional intelligence. And I'm going to get into that a lot more with BLG on BGN Radio coming up later this week. So you want to make sure to, to stay tuned for my thoughts and sp- more to the point for BLG's thoughts on Deshaun Jackson's return to Philadelphia. But Chip Kelly was clearly clearly had a problem with these guys, and it was personal. I believe it was because they challenged his authority, and he didn't want that. He wanted he wanted his his guys, his less talented guys, but guys who would be true to his vision and who would be willing to do whatever the big dog says. He, those are the guys he wanted in the locker room, and Deshaun Jackson wasn't one of those guys, so they just cut him. They cut a Pro Bowl player, their best wide receiver. At the end of the day, he really got rid of Jackson for no good re- reason at all. And from 2014 to 2018, Deshaun Jackson had success outside of Philadelphia. He continued to perform, first with the Washington Redskins, and then later with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he routinely killed the Eagles whenever they played. He killed Philadelphia, especially in his first season away after signing with Washington. Second down, four-man rush. Cousins all kinds of time. Going to sling it deep. Deshaun Jackson turns around. Willie Mays tight catch. And Deshaun Jackson. Touchdown. My goodness. 80 yards. In his first game against the Eagles, Deshaun Jackson caught five balls for 117 yards and a touchdown, and then, and then in the second game that year, caught four balls for 126. In all, Deshaun Jackson had four 100-yard receiving games in five meetings against the Eagles with Washington and Tampa. I mean, you talk about a guy who knows how to hold a grudge and then exploit it, man. Deshaun Jackson was that guy. He led the league in yards per reception in 2014 with 1,169 yards and six touchdowns, and he had three 1,000-yard seasons after leaving Philadelphia. 
Last year, he played in just 12 games, made 10 starts for Tampa, and had 774 yards, but an 18.9 yards per catch average that is still the best in football. So, as the Philadelphia Eagles welcome Deshaun Jackson back to Philly, he still is a deep threat. He still has that speed, and he's still an injury-prone guy. The Eagles probably shouldn't count on him for 16 games this year, but they got to hope if they have him for 13 or 14 games that he can be the guy who takes the top off the offense, that deep threat that Carson Wentz absolutely needs. I think it's going to make the Eagles offense a whole lot better. So I'm going to have a lot more on Deshaun Jackson's fit with the 2019 Eagles, how he fits in Doug Peterson's locker room with the guys who are in there right now. All in all, I think it's a terrific fit, and it gives us a chance to root for Deshaun Jackson again which is awesome. I always liked Deshaun Jackson. I will admit it. I've always been a Jackson stan. I've always loved Deshaun. I do think he's the man, uh, and it'll be great to wear our Deshaun Jackson jerseys back to the games. I think I've already seen some people out and about wearing their Deshaun Jackson jerseys. So uh, unlike the Bryce Harper jerseys, there probably won't be a drastic resale of Jackson jerseys. People are just going to reach into their closets and get the old ones. So, um, But, I mean, that's just awesome to be able to bring back a guy who really is one of the top three or four wide receivers in team history, and he has a chance to emerge as – the best receiver in team history. I don't think he'll get there. I don't. I think it's going to be really hard to pass Carmichael and Quick. But when you look at what he's done, it would be great if he could come back and like Nick Foles did with Philadelphia for one stretch of his career and then to come back and have unbelievable success, ultimately resulting in a Super Bowl title. It would be fantastic if we could repeat that scenario with Deshaun Jackson. Folks, that'll do it for this episode of BGN Memories, episode number four. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And don't forget to subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. It's where you get the Kiston Solak Show, BGN Radio, and these BGN Memory podcasts uh, when, we, when we're able to do them. Uh, the QB Sco Show uh, is a, a regular contributor to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. So, uh, again, tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And stay on BleedingGreenNation.com every second of the day for the latest updates as we are in the middle of the NFL hot stove season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Memories.